This is Come and See from the St. Andrew's Anglican Church for May 5th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today is Rogation Sunday. Does anybody here remember Rogation Sunday? It's not really popular anymore. Um, it used to be a, a major feast um, when more agrarian times when people pretty much lived out in the country and most people worked on farms. And it was a time that was set aside when there would be three days during the week. It would be um, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. They would all go out, the entire congregation for that particular area would go out and they would do something called beating the bounds. Has anybody here ever beat the bounds? You don't see it much anymore, um, but in those days, a parish was like a a region. It was like a, a, a like a municipality or something or a county. And so, when they beat the bounds, they went around everywhere. It's kind of like it is in Louisiana when they talk about a parish. And uh, when they beat the bounds, they would walk around the entire um, area, the entire boundary of that you know, county. And the reason why they would do that would be to one, the priest would lead the way of the cross and would be throwing holy water inside of the boundary. And two would be they would be praying and asking God to deliver them from any evil that might come across that boundary, um, but also to provide for, you know, good harvest so that they would have enough food to eat. And then in later times, because it started in like 600, in later times so that they could have crops to sell and make a living with. And so that went on probably well, up until the 1800s, pretty much. And it was a, a big feast. Some churches um, had kept it going, and then they started beating the bounds of the parish, which meant that, you know, you'd take your property line and walk it. We could still do that, by the way, if you don't want to go out and walk around 16 acres out here. It might take a while, but, uh, huh? Yeah, I'll lead the way. I've done that, but <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm probably one of the few, actually, who's walked the whole property. But um, And uh, they would do that, and then they would, again, pray uh, to God for His mercy upon the parish and for the parish to be productive and fruitful. Now, the word rogation comes from a Latin word called rogare, and to the word rogare in Latin means to ask, to ask. And that's really what those days are about. It's about asking God. And while we don't really look a whole lot about walking around areas so that people will um, make sure that the plants grow properly and that sort of thing. I suppose we could still do the garden, the community garden, if we were going to use it. But, um, but what we do think is very often we ask God for things, don't we? And that, that's pretty common when we ask God for His blessing, for healing, for help, um, all kinds of things. And so we still understand what it means to ask. And yet we have this dilemma in our day, which is that when we ask, a lot of times our prayers aren't answered. Has anybody here ever had that experience? You know, and we you know, read that passage where Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. And so we think, oh, that means you put through Jesus Christ our Lord at the end of your prayer, and therefore you said it in his name and it's done. Well, that's not really what that means. Would that it were that easy. Um, James, in the book of James, tells us that many people don't even bother to ask. They just sort of assume that God ought to give them the things they need. And then if he doesn't, they're upset about that. And he says, well, you don't ask, you don't receive because you don't ask. And he said, but many of you ask and you still don't receive because you ask wrongly. 
Well, what does it mean then to ask wrongly? Well, what it means, it goes back to that in the name of Jesus. When Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, he isn't saying that you just use that phrase. What he's really saying is the same thing he said in the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, he taught us how to pray. He said, thy will be done how? And whose will? His will. What did he say at the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but thine be done. So to ask correctly really means to to say, not my will, but thy will be done. To ask whatever it is, it's okay to say what you prefer. I mean, God doesn't mind you stating your preferences. But we should always have that in our prayer that, but God, you know best. You know better than I do how this prayer ought to be answered. And so I want your will to be done, however that works out. That's what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when we do that, when we say, not my will, but thy will be done, then if our will coincides with it, it's all the better. But even more so, it's, it's showing a real trust in God, isn't it? That no matter what happens, we believe that it will come to good because God will take care of us. That's really what Jesus was talking about in, in the gospel today. He's getting ready to leave and a Theologians have given this uh, address a term called the final discourse. Jesus didn't ever call it that, by the way, um, but that's what they called it. And um, in that, he says, um, if anyone loves me, they will do what I tell them. They will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will do what I tell you. And if you do indeed do what I tell you because you love me, then I and the Father will come and dwell in you. Now, the word that's used there is an interesting word because it's from way back with when uh, Israel was primarily nomadic and they were Bedouins who would live in tents. And what it literally means is, I will come and pitch my tent with you. That's what God did in the tent of meeting in the Old Testament before they built the temple in Jerusalem. Um, was He pitched his tent among them. That means he will live with us and we will live with him. Now, if you're a Bedouin, you don't do that with people you don't trust. Because when you go to sleep, you could get robbed or killed or worse. And so what Jesus is telling us in that is that if you love me, then you will keep my commandments because you know who I am. And if you do, my Father and I will live in you. And then something remarkable happens. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. So it's not a temporary thing. He says, I'm, I'm, not only am I giving it to you, but you get to keep it. And then he says that part that we really wish he hadn't said. I do not give to you as the world gives. Rats. <laughs> we tend to like what the world gives. We understand it better, don't we? But he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. That's the kind of peace that he's giving. Now, does he say that because I've given you this peace, your hearts won't ever be troubled? Does he say that you won't ever be afraid? So what is he telling us? Hmm? Get over it now? He's giving, he's telling, he wants us to do something. Don't let it happen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. When you find your hearts being troubled or when you find yourself being afraid, you know what you're supposed to do? Stop it. 
people go, well, that sounds so easy, but how do you do that? And that's where I hear this word keeps coming out. People jump to the end. Um, trust. The truth is, is that if I really believe that God is on my side, then whatever comes, it'll only be temporary at best. Because if God is for me, who could possibly be against me? What could possibly happen that would be that bad? And we've seen evidence of people doing this throughout history. We've seen martyrs marching into the Colosseum, singing hymns as they go to face their death. We've seen Peter who turns around and goes back into Rome to be crucified upside down, totally unafraid. We've seen Stephen standing at the gate, about to be stoned, you know, proclaiming good news to the people who were about to kill him. He wasn't afraid. They weren't even afraid of death, much less somebody's disapproval. And they weren't afraid because they knew that God was for them. And they trusted that even if God allowed you know, this terrible thing to happen to them, that, that they were thrown into jail or if they were killed, that he would still redeem them. That, would, that nothing ultimately can subvert the will of God to achieve his purposes. And an evil may try, and evil people may give it a good shot, but it will always be just a temporary thing that it will pass. Imagine what it would be like in our lives if we lived that way, if we realized that when bad times come, that, that this is just temporary. You know, it will move on. I can remember when I was three years old, um, my dad was going up to the local um, gas station and to get some bread and milk um, for my mom. And my um, sister asked if she could go, and he said yes. So I asked if I could go, and he said no. Oh, that was the end of the world. I mean, you know, my life had come to, to a crashing halt. Never, ever again for the rest of my life would I leave that house. It was so horrible. But guess what? It didn't happen that way, did it? But it felt that way to a three-year-old. Well, if we do that with simple things like getting to go to the store, then imagine what it's like for us in the eyes of God who want you know, God to fix our finances, fix our relationships, fix our illnesses, fix whatever it is in our life. And God knows whether or not fixing that would be a good thing. Far better than we do. That didn't keep us from whining and complaining about it. But does a good parent, a loving father, does he give the kid something, you know, just because they're whining and complaining, even if it's bad for them? Of course not. That wouldn't be very loving, would it? I mean, if I'm whining, complaining because I want to run out and play in the busy street, should my parents let me go out and run out and play in the busy street? I had one person tell me, depending on how much I was whining, complaining. <laughs> so, gee, thanks. But we we have to, you know, begin to if if we're not going to let our hearts be troubled, if we're not going to be afraid, the only way that that can happen is if we truly believe that God is in charge of everything, that God is in control, even when it doesn't look like it, even when I don't understand it and can't see it. It's that ultimate trust in a loving God who is on our side. And if we are able to do that, then truly he will come and pitch his tent with us and live in us. And we will have peace that passes understanding. See, anybody can have peace that, you know, you know, if, if you hit the lottery and win, you know, $100 million, it's pretty easy to feel peaceful, isn't it? 
You feel pretty good about that. Or if you, you know, get a raise at work or, you know, get a positive evaluation or people are telling you what a great job you're doing. You know, it's easy to feel peaceful when good things are happening to you. That wouldn't pass understanding. The peace that passes understanding is when you trust God in the midst of the storm. And you have that ability to stay calm and know that it's temporary. This too will pass. And so that's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, which if you think about it, was for them was a pretty good lesson because they were about to go through a whole lot of stuff that was going to be pretty bad. But it's also a good lesson for us today because all too often we get so caught up in the world that we forget whose world it is, who made it, who created it, who's in charge of it. And so ultimately, when we face those times when we are troubled and we want to ask God for something, the first question we should always ask ourselves is, do I really, really believe that God created this world and it belongs to Him and He will make it what He wants it to be? Because if I really believe that, then my prayer will always be, not my will, but thy will be done. Here's what I'd like, but if that's not what's best... Do it this way, you know, your way, because I know I can trust it. And when we have that, then we truly have peace that passes all understanding. Amen. You are just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see. Oh,